Welcome back to Hearsay, the podcast about justice by students of justice. Uh, my name is Toby Reed. I'm the criminal justice teacher at Attleboro High School, and this podcast is where I interview all of my outgoing seniors and talk to them about their last three years of experience. Today, we are joined by Miss Jasmine Mavi. Miss Jasmine Mavi, thank you for being here today. Hi, thank you for having me. So, let's start with uh, give us a little bit of your background. Um, my name is Jasmine. Um, I grew up in Attleboro. My parents are from India, and um, brothers, sisters. Um, I have a sister freshman at Liberal High School right now, and then I have a younger brother turning four next month. And uh, three years ago, what made you join the program? Um, I always like into criminal justice like when i was younger i always wanted to be like in the fbi and when i saw the criminal justice program i just thought that it was so hands-on and i just wanted to learn more about it and the job opportunities that it has to offer and so over the last uh three years who's been your favorite guest speaker my favorite guest speaker, um definitely the k9 not that i would go into the k9 unit but i just thought it was cool thing that they got to work with dogs and just still be part of criminal justice. And what's your favorite project that we've done so far? Or favorite talk? project? Um, I would say the legacy project just because we got to like incorporate ourselves into it and I like solving problems so the fact that I got to make my own little case file and like incorporate myself and my friends into it I thought it was cool. And that's the the last assignment that we did where you had to create something for the future students to do that involved you right mm -hmm. i thought it was just cool that since we didn't get senior year that we still got to like something behind for other grades and this podcast that will last eternally yeah. <laughs> uh so what are your post high school plans um i'm going to UMass in this fall and I'm studying psychology and entering in criminology and where do you see yourself in a few years um hopefully I want to become a psychologist for juveniles why um because I feel like I've struggled with mental health myself and it's something that I couldn't really talk about with anyone because Really close to my family like that and I feel like a lot of areas like areas don't get the mental health like access and resources that they need and going into criminal justice I realized that where you come from does have an impact on like how you end up acting when you get older and I feel like that if juveniles just had like a resource to just go to and vent to that they would be less likely to reoffend in the future and well, just keep them out of the system. This leads directly into our topic, right? So, uh, what are your the idea of uh, juveniles specifically and mental health, right? Mm -hmm. So, I chose that topic because I saw a statistic and it was like, 65 to 70 percent of 
like the two million adolescents that are in the juvenile system suffer with mental health issues. And I feel like that's something that's not talked about. And they're gonna like grow up and still have those issues and they're more likely to reoffend. But if we give them the resources that they need and help them out at a younger age where their brain fully developed yet, I feel like we could make a difference in like how many people are actually in jail when they get older. So are we, if we're talking about crime, we're talking about crime prevention? Mm -hmm. Well, I just feel like that they need the help for themselves really. But in the long run, if we do um, help them with their issues early on, they would be less likely to reoffend if mental issue is what is the determining cause of why they're committing the crime. But should we wait till they offend the first time or should we try to prevent it from from the first offense? That's the thing. They have the resources to help them out and they don't really know, not even just juveniles, like even areas that are rich, like not a lot of people talk about mental health. And I feel like if they had those resources that they probably wouldn't even offend in the first place. I. They just need somebody to like have like a source to like go to to just talk about things and they don't have that so i feel like that's why they do commit the crimes so do you think that we should have more like school counselors yeah um i feel like school counselors sometimes though, you can have them but no one really is going to like go to them unless they try to reach out Especially with like juveniles, they're not gonna like admit that they need the help they need. But I feel like we as like once I get older, like I want to be able to like reach out and be like, what is the issue? Like I want to be able to talk to them because they're not gonna reach out. Like I personally, like I've never reached out, but I've known I've had like issues. So I just wanna if somebody came up to me and was asking me about how I was feeling, I would open up but that hasn't happened for me. So I feel like I just want to be able to do that for kids that are less fortunate and don't have the access to things that others do. And so are we talking like, you know, like um, every year you have to get a physical? Mm -hmm. Like, should there be a every year, like a mental check-in? Honestly, I feel like that would be great. I think everyone would take advantage of that. But the kids that actually do need it and do want to see a change, I feel like they definitely take advantage of it. But I mean, like, uh, I mean, like, not just the way like your doctor right now, when you have a when you now when I have a physical, my doctor asks me, like, are, are you depressed? Mm -hmm. have you, you know, have you had any thoughts of hurting yourself and that sort of stuff? And I say, no, nope, nope. And he says, OK, and then we move on. Um, but like, you know, an actual like licensed check-in with like a licensed psychologist or whatever every year for everyone that's paid for through mm -hmm. your insurance where people are like you know actually talked to do you think that would help i feel like that would make the world a difference to be honest so then comes so then how do i is that so that would do you think that would prevent crime It would prevent most crimes, yes. Not all crime is just done because of mental health issues, but the majority of it today, a lot of people do suffer from it. 
So I feel that exploring that area and seeing how that is affecting our criminal justice system, we could see like where there is an issue and if mental health really is the biggest issue. And then, so in prisons or jails or as well, if you're looking at juveniles, specifically juvenile facilities, should mental health be a requirement for probation or whatever? I think it should be. I feel like if they got to like talk about what they did and got to like talk to somebody that was actually licensed and professional and actually cared about wanting to make a change in their lives, then yeah, I feel like it would help them and prevent them from being in the system much longer. And that costs money. Yes. So how do we pay for that? That's a great question that I do not have the answer to. Or justify paying for it, right? Like, right. I think there will be people who are arguing like, well, that kid or that, yeah, that kid committed a crime. They should be punished, not like be given therapy and be given, you know, all this stuff when like they did a crime, they should be, you know, locked up or whatever. How do you respond to people who have that attitude? I feel like people are gonna, there's always gonna be like two sides to everything. But I feel like the positive, like the pros would outweigh the cons in this situation. Like, yeah, it would be like a money issue, but in the long run, you would be helping so many little kids' lives. Like, keep, and they would eventually, by keeping them out of the system, you'd be educating them into becoming like actual, like, people in society that could then go on and get jobs instead of having to pay for them being in jail when they get older. So in the long run, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Oh, no, no, go ahead. Um, in the long run, it benefits society to make productive members of society rather than just repeat offenders. Exactly. And so it's, although it's an upfront investment, it, mm -hmm. so the long-term payoff is going to be greater. Yes. Do you give up at some point? Like if you're if you if you're a repeat offender after three, four, five different arrests, do you say like, well, there's nothing we can do, or do you continue to provide mental health issues? I feel like there should be like a line where that if. They, you can't help somebody that doesn't want help. But I feel like when you're younger, you can try to help them and try to set them in the right path. But at the end of the day, if they don't want to be helped, they can't be helped. But I still want to try to be able to help. Well, to that, let's give it a shot. Do you think that, and you know, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you think there's a stigma with asking for help? Oh yes, for sure. I don't think anyone would ever openly admit that they're having problems. Like no one's going to admit that like they're mentally like thinking these things cuz they don't want people to look at them any differently. They don't want people to judge them. But it's crazy cuz it's like everyone's going through something. So like once you open up to someone, they most likely open up to you as well. But that's just not how this world works and it kind of sucks. So how do you, um, 
how do you break that stigma or get people like I feel like it is getting better it is getting better I feel like schools are doing better with like talking about it and like the media like, shows and stuff are talking about it so it's something that's like more openly discussed but I feel like that's more with like kids. I've never seen a teacher like openly just talk about things. Like you say certain words and like you see like shock in like adults faces like why would you say that? But it's like we grew up knowing that this thing exists and more kids are suffering from mental health issues than they were when you were growing up. Which is crazy but it's I feel like adults wouldn't really understand, but that's the issue. And I feel like they should become more educated so that they can educate. And so I feel, well, yeah. So I, but I feel like in like, at least in the high school, I feel like over the last five, 10 years, um, we've started to talk about it more. We've mm -hmm. had more curriculum about it. We've had, we had a mental health club after school mm -hmm. where kids were getting together. We have mental health fairs. Um, and I, it has gotten better, but I didn't even know we had a school psychologist until like two weeks before the end of my senior year. And I feel like that would have been a resource that I could have used. Well, the psychologist in, in, at the high school doesn't is actually for like uh, a lot of like testing purposes. Like if we need to get you on an IEP or a 504, mm -hmm. uh, we'll have you tested and she can administer the tests um, and then analyze the results and then determine whether or not you have, you know, anxiety to a level that is a disability that allows you to get a, a IEP or something like that. Um, so she doesn't, she's, her job isn't a counselor. She doesn't like meet mm -hmm. with kids just to counsel with them unless it's part of their spe specified ed plan. Gotcha. But even with like counselors, like most kids won't reach out for help, but I feel like if a counselor saw me struggling and like reached out that would make the world of a difference and they probably do here but i just feel like there's still some kind of stigma behind it and i just like hope to break it and i feel like that stigma is um even worse in a place like a jail or a prison mm -hmm. where like you definitely don't want to admit weakness Right, because you have to dominance. Yeah, because like you have to survive in there, um, mm -hmm. and so getting prisoners specifically, but because they have this problem in in police departments and uh, and in law enforcement and in firefighting and stuff like that, a lot of people are like, "Well, I'm not going to go talk to someone that makes me look weak." Right. Um, when what they need to do is talk to someone. <laughs> And they so know I feel like if we just like taught that mental health like is like it's not a bad thing and that everyone goes through it like from a young age I feel like kids would be more willing to talk about things than holding it in right like there's no you're not ashamed to have a cold right or like if you break your arm you're not like Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I don't want them to think I'm weak. Like, you go to the doctor and you get it taken care of. And the idea that, like, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling um, overwhelmed or anything like that, that, like, somehow that's not also a physical problem. 
just because it's physical doesn't mean it won't affect you in the same way. No, no, I mean, like, it, it is physical, right? It, and so, therefore, <laughs> uh, but, like, I think when we say, like, it's a mental problem, then there's the idea that, like, right. I can't mm -hmm. go for that. Or, like, you're just weak. You're like, why don't you just try harder? Whereas, yeah. like, I broke my arm. People wouldn't be like, well, try try not to. Yeah. Like, just think think that it's not broken and it won't be. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I say I'm depressed, people are like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Everyone's depressed. Just get over it. Um, which, but whereas like, if you actually have clinical depression, it's a physical problem. There's like chemicals in your brain that aren't functioning the way that they're supposed to or whatever. I feel like that analogy right there, I feel like you should go on Ted talks and talk about it because I feel like well, no, that's that your job. Great way to put <laughs> I think I stole it from someone. So I, I don't <laughs> think I own that one. Um, but like that idea that like it, actual clinical depression is a mental is a physical problem mm -hmm. not it's not just like i feel sad it's like the dopamine in my brain does not get released at the same rate and therefore you know blah 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 and like there are ways of of either chemically through medication or through therapy balancing that or fixing that and that there's nothing wrong with with that it's like there's no stigma to it because it's the same stigma that you would have. Like, there's no stigma to once again, like getting a cold. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, if I if I have a cold, no one's like, well, what? Why? Why did you get the cold? Why didn't you do something different? Like, right. It's like oh. another issue would be that people don't want to like think that their problems are bigger than anyone else's. Like, say somebody that's like actually clinically diagnosed with like depression someone who feels just anxious all the time will be like all right well i'm not i haven't been diagnosed with anything so maybe it is just in my head but it's it's just more than that it's not just like the sometimes you're just, your body just doesn't want to do what it has to do and it's like you don't know what to do about it and you feel like you can't talk to people because like oh well their problems are bigger and my problems are smaller so like i can't compare them but no one should be comparing problems i feel like if people just talk about their feelings and how they actually feel right like uh if once again if i had a cold you can't be like well i once had pneumonia so right my <laughs> mine's worse than yours so shut up mm -hmm. <laughs> um I, I i i completely agree with you on all, all of the facets i'm just how do we make it happen? Like, right. how do we make a difference? Because like, yeah, you go into this or whatever. And, you know, is that just a drop in the bucket? Is that like, does it do anything? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I really, I want to be able to help people. Like, that's my goal. And hopefully going to college and studying for it will give me more knowledge on the topic so that I know how to better be a resource to people. Because right now, like, I just know that this is what I want to do because I want to help juveniles, like adolescents or whatever it is I do. But I just know I want to go to psychology and help people. I just don't know how to apply it just yet. And I feel like the being in criminal justice definitely, like, guiding me towards a path I want to take. I just feel like I hope college just helps me figure out exactly how I'm sure to do that. I'm sure. And, but do you th and you think that, like, specifically mental health with juveniles is more important because it, it has a like a longer term impact like if we can stop it when you're young 
we can prevent stuff when you're older? Yeah, um, I feel like with juveniles, a lot of juveniles are from areas where they don't have access to mental health resources. And that's why I specifically wanted to focus on uh, on areas like that. Because if I, like, I grew up with a lot, but I still didn't have like resources like that. So I feel like I just want to help kids that are less fortunate and don't have that and just be able to give them like a better chance at life than what they think they deserve. And once again, like, how do you, like the people who are in um, less fortunate situations that have less and are from all that sort of stuff. How do you like, how do you get them the resources they need? Like that's literally the problem. They don't have what they need. So how do you get them what they need? Figuring out how to distribute the money fairly. Um, I mean, I we give a lot of taxes to fixing roads, but I don't see no roads being fixed. I don't see why we can't put money into mental health and see where that leads us. So there needs to be some changes at the governmental level. Yes. All right, we need to either reprioritize things or <laughs> figure out what we what we want and then uh, figure out how to get it. Yeah, I, jail should be a place where they feel like they're animals trapped. It should be a place where they're like getting the help that they need in order to become better and more fit to be in society and hold an, like a regular job. Like they shouldn't feel like they're being like dehumanized and put back into like the world just to do whatever. Now I've, uh, I believe it's Taunton, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I've been to the juvenile facility in Massachusetts where they lock the kids up who are needing, you know, need to be mm -hmm. uh, incarcerated for whatever they did. Um, and it is, it, it's still a jail, right? There's still mm -hmm. guards and locked doors and, un, you know, structured time and stuff like that. But they do have um, full classrooms and they have, you know, you're getting your degree and there is uh, health services for you, um, and there is much more of a of, of an emphasis on um, kind of rehabilitation and therapy to prevent future crimes. Is is it too late? Is it too late? Is that the question? Yeah. I don't think so. To someone who's already been convicted of a crime bad enough to have them locked up, there's still a chance to, for them to be rehabilitated. I think so, yeah. I feel like people can change. Like, yeah, sometimes they hold on to like the tendencies of their past, but I feel like people do have the ability to change. You just have to let them be able to. And uh, do you think that ju the juvenile justice system should be focused on that, the idea of uh, um, rehabilitation and reformation rather than punishment? Yeah. 
I don't think, I feel like as a kid, if someone's punishing me for something, I would just be more likely to do it because it's like, oh, well, I already got in trouble for it and it's whatever. But if someone like reached out to me and actually wanted to see me do good, like just like one person that believed in me, like I would try to be better, I guess. But that's uh, just me. I don't know how other people would think, but. And how would you, how would you, you, you mentioned earlier that people who don't want help, you can't help people who don't want help. Do you think that? Do you think that's true? I don't think that it's that they don't want help. I think it's the fact that they don't think they can be helped. And so they're just like at a constant battle with themselves because it's like they probably want to do better, but they know that they can't. And just having someone to believe in them and guide them would make a difference, I feel. So how do you help someone? Like if I don't want to, like if, and let's take something like addiction, right? If I'm addicted to something and I don't want to get off of it, do you think I can be successfully go through a reha rehabilitation? If you have the right person, like that's trying to help you. And if you genuinely try, I feel like you can. If you try to like, Honestly, if you just talk to them and see how they're feeling from there, you can see like what kind of help they need. Like you can't, because everyone's different. You can't just go into everything the same. So you would just have to, I guess, talk to them and see how they're feeling and see what it is you can do to help them. And so we can prevent crime by having more caring concerning adults did you know there's a jail in sweden and or all the jails in sweden they don't punish their they don't even look like jails and they have a very less um reoffending um percentage than the u.s i was actually gonna bring that up i was wondering if you had seen those videos i had seen it and i feel like jails here should be more like rehab centers than zoos um, which, and like, you know, when we look at, uh, stuff like isolation or solitary confinement, um, and I'm speaking about adults here, I don't actually have the juvenile numbers, but like, I think the United States had something like three, no, 30,000 people in isolation last year for an extended period of time. Um, whereas like in most European countries, it's like 12. You're basically taking a person that's like already crazy and isolating them so that they become even more mentally unstable just by themselves with their thoughts that led them to do the things that they did and then you're going to isolate them that doesn't make sense to um but we come from a you know a judeo-christian islamic tradition where you know you should be punished for doing things wrong Like, well, well, you could be, I mean, punishment could be rehab. Like, not everyone's going to want to do that. Because I, I, I know that there are people out there who would see the video of the, uh, is it Sweden? 
uh, the, the Swedish prisons and be like, what the hell? My, why, you know, I'm not paying for these people who committed crimes to like play games and have therapy and live this nice life and have good food and live in dorm rooms and all that sort of stuff. It's just a small price we have to pay. <laughs> what if you're the victim? That's a good question. Thank you. As a victim? I'm lost for words now. Um, just seeing that they were kind of brought to justice even if it means that like they have to like go through rehab just seeing that they're bettering themselves for me i guess that would be enough but i see like in other circumstances where it wouldn't be so if someone you cared about was assaulted and then the yeah, person was and then given you know therapy and education and classes and all that sort of stuff, which by the way, would probably reduce their recidivism. It would probably make the world safer. It would probably make the United States, you know, a safer place if people were educated and had skills to get jobs and all that sort of stuff. But like, how do you feel as the someone who's like, yeah, but they assaulted my family member. I want them punished, not Hot. I've been in this program for three years, and you ask—I feel like you ask me this every year, and I never have an answer because. Well, you're not supposed to. Right, because as a victim, you don't know how you would react. Everyone's different, and you're not going to want to see the person that like assaulted your family out and about in the streets. And so, like, then that's the problem, right? You're not supposed to know the answer to these questions, right? You, you know, these, these are big questions, right? So how do we change our culture in a way that destigmatizes mental health, um, allows for victims to feel like they're being, um, the justice is served, while still preventing crime in the future by doing the things we know prevent crime? education, uh, therapy, help, rehabilitation, rather than just, you know, locking them in a hole for a year. By just being a caring person, I feel like people actually cared about each other and actually talked to each other. I feel like a lot of problems could be solved. If there was no stigma between mental health, I people would just talk about it and people would understand why people are the way that they are and they would be more accepting. So um, more like restorative justice practices mm -hmm. where we like get the victim and the perpetrator together in a room and they talk about why what you did hurt me and what why I did what I did and then we discuss it and talk about it. Like therapy for everyone, including victims? I feel like that would be a start, yes. Because Massachusetts passed the uh, the restorative justice bill a couple of years ago, and so it's something that we're you know work certainly working on as a state, as a commonwealth. Um, 
but that's also tricky. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to always want to get together in the same room and talk about it. Right, right. Right now in Massachusetts, it's illegal for the for the felon to contact the victim. But if the victim wants to initiate it, they can. I feel like that makes sense because they have to be willing. Like they have to be willing enough to want to get in a room with the person to talk about it. And that can't always be easy depending on what happened. But I feel like being able to talk about it and seeing like why they did what they did would give you a perspective. And like maybe they are just mentally ill and they just killed just to kill. Then at least like you know that like okay, this person's like mentally ill, like or if they did it because of a other reason then can do what you want with that. And where do we define juveniles? Like, what do you mean? Like, is it 18, 16, 20, 25? Like, is it when the brain is developed? Is it when we randomly say you are now a like if you're 17 and you do something that you're a juvenile, but if you're 18 and you do the same thing, you're now an adult and you deserve different treatment. Is the brain developed or is it developed? Like fully developed? So they, there's a lot of research now that says that the brain isn't, you know, fully developed until you're around 25. So should we raise the age of juvenile justice to 25? And should we tell like 24 year olds that like, because right now with juveniles, once you're eight, you can only be incarcerated until you're 18. And then once you're 18, you're let go. Um, and then your record is sealed so that we can't use that against you because we recognize that kids make mistakes and their brains aren't developed and they shouldn't be held accountable for those mistakes for the rest of their lives. Should that go up to 25? Yes, but I think in the same sense, people would take advantage of that and be like, well, my brain's not fully developed. But then again, if that is the truth, then their brain isn't fully developed. And they're still considered an adolescent. That's a tricky question. Yeah, so let's see if I can pull it up right here. Oh, there it is. Yeah, so most you see a lot of crimes committed by people eighteen to 25-ish. You see a decent amount from 30 to 34. But then after that, it, it, it drops pretty steadily. And then obviously when you're you know 60 years old, there aren't a lot of people committing crimes. 
Um, and so it crime seems to be a young person's problem. Mm -hmm. um, there aren't too many like 40 year olds who've never been in trouble before who wake up and are like, you know what I think I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna commit a major felony, <laughs> right? Like, whereas kids do for a variety of reasons. I feel like I would be to age 18 because it's like then you're out of high school and then it's like you're actually in the real world like no longer like in high school so i feel like you're more of an adult then and you kind of have to figure out what your place is in society and after that whatever you do it's like that if you commit a crime it's like that was what you did in society like you you're not in high school anymore like you're out you've made those choices well, it certainly is a complicated topic, right? It touches on a lot of things that as a society, we're, I'm not sure we're ready to deal with. I think that there's, a, there's obviously issues with what does age mean? There's issues with, there's all sorts of things. Yeah. So um, any other parts of the topic that you would like to hit upon? I think we have all the major key. So then my last question is? What's the last question? You know the last question? Are there any last words? Is that no, 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 no. If you, why should the world care about Jasmine Mommy? Why should the world care about Jasmine Mommy? Because Jasmine Mommy cares about the world. Well, there you go. There you Very go. Simple, straightforward. And there it is. That's that's easy enough. And I agree. I think Jasmine Mavi does care about the world. She does. All right, Jasmine. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Mr. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And I will talk to you at some point. Yes.